It's turkey season. That's right, y'all. It's time to take that bird, put it on your table, then put it in your face. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> didn't know what to do there and then did that. Hi, everyone. It's Kristen Lanius and Peter Dunn on the Pizza Planner Show. Kristen, what was that? Uh, that was my wave because right when you said that, they couldn't see me and I was going... And I was like, oh, that's just like my permanent face permanent on the show. show. I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about, about doing, doing this the whole show. show. Does, Does that work? work? Excellent. Excellent. Um, um, so, Kristen, you and I have done six live shows together this week. This is the seventh one. Yes. Um, I'm, I, to say we're a little bit slap happy might be an understatement. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so this we, we're going to do our best. We are off next week to give thanks to Black Friday. And uh, you might be noticing that Damien is not here, but in fact, he is here and he's got a special guest down in the Magic Kingdom. It's Damien Dunn and Phil the Shoe Shoeman, Executive Director of Financial Wellness at Indiana University. What's your title again? It changes. I, mean, basically I got it right. You forgot the and education at the end of it, but that yeah. was pretty good. I think that's your best ever. So you two gentlemen or in the happiest place on earth in a hotel room together. Can we have a little more context? Uh, I have actually a story that I would love to share with you off the air about my hotel room. It's not nearly as bad as the hotel rooms that uh, Phil experienced earlier this week, but you will get a kick out of it. Phil and Dame are down at a conference. What is, what's the name of the conference? The AFCPE Symposium. Oh, I love a good six-letter acronym. What A F C A F? Almost <laughs> C P E. It's Association of Financial Planning, Counseling, and Education, I believe. It could be. That sounds close. It sounds professional. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys, um, it's so good to see you. We're glad. Uh, and, and given the idea that we we're putting on a podcast here, this is a live stream, and and people will hang up or stop watching. Uh, we're going to let you go. So nice. That was my briefest show appearance ever. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you did have the show appearance when you barely survived a hurricane. And I had a little segment one. out of that. Well, That's true. This is short. I, what do I have to do? Go avoid death again to get more show time? Uh, I think you're on to it now. I'm in Florida. All right, boys. This. You guys have fun down there with Mickey and Goofy. We'll do. Thank you. All right, Kristen, enough of that. Tomfoolery. Tomfoolery. <laughs> um, man, it's been a week, so we are going to get the show going um, and uh, get after it. We are off next week, and so let's do the show here. Podcast listeners are just like, what a dumpster fire. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. The good, good call. Absolutely. Okay. Do, 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 do. Setting my clock here. And three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us at askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and we will address your concerns. Usually on the show, we've got three people. In fact, we actually have a new, uh, like a new show poster. The three people are me, Damian Dunn, who is of no relation, and Kristen Alanius, the director of education at Your Money Line. Dame is in the Magic Kingdom, so it's just Kristen and I. Kristen, hello. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving week. So yes, yes. yes. Happy Thanksgiving week. I was going to say sort of, but you're right. 
do you prepare a particular dish this time of year? No, not really. I am bringing um, these, they're meatballs, they're stuffing meatballs, and they have cranberries in them, and they're delicious. That's what I'm planning to take to the ones I'm invited to. Wow, that sounds nice. I, I make the whole meal for my family. It's my Super Bowl, so I want everyone uh, to put me in your thoughts and prayers. Kristen, uh, you put together a segment for us this week It called, uh, what is it called? Myth or Math? What do we call this? We can call it miscellaneous myths if you'd like. Miscellaneous money myths or slaps or caps. I don't know what we're going to call it. I don't know what's happening. Um, (laughs) Miscellaneous money myths, and and we're going to weigh in on them. Some of them may be true, right? Some of them may be false, and that's (laughs) the direction we're going to go. So, Kristen, have at it. Uh, The first one is making your car payment twice a month versus when it's due saves you money. Hmm. I would assume this is true, but primarily because of daily interest, uh, not calculating at a higher amount. And so naturally, then that would also be true for making a mortgage payment twice Mm -hmm. over the course of a month, right? Yeah, it's the way simple interest is calculated is that your daily interest is calculated based on your current outstanding balance. So if you're reducing that balance halfway through the month, your interest is then calculated based on that lower balance. Probably not going to save you, you know, oodles and oodles of cash or anything, but I actually, I don't, if I hear someone say this, I just don't correct them or like clarify because I think that what it does is it encourages a positive behavior. I think making your large payments twice a month versus once a month is the better approach. So I should usually let people do that. So I, now I have a couple things on this. Uh, number one, this would not work for a car lease. Right. right. It would right. not work for a car lease. Number two is, you know, I, I've clearly I know this tip, and but I've never done that for uh, my mortgage and as I've sort of recast my cash flow here recently, as you and I have discussed, I did that last weekend. Um, maybe I'll consider that. I wonder how much that shaves off. Do you know? Um, is there a rule of thumb there? Well, it's hard because the higher your loan balance and the higher your interest rate, the more of an impact it's going to have. But I like it because I don't even care as much. I mean, I do obviously care about the dollar savings, but what I found to be true in my personal life is if I give myself access to the entire mortgage payment for the second half of the month, I have this because I run my life off of my debit card. I have this idea that like there's more money there than there really is. And I find that I spend a little bit more having access to that additional cash. So Mm. I like to get it out of my account. It's like this mental accounting thing for me, I think. Yeah, Dan's uh, following along on Facebook Live because we do stream our show live, not just here on the radio. Uh, Notes, Pete's going to walk into the bank and pay the mortgage twice a month. Uh, Now, that's a commitment. As many of you know, I still pay my mortgage payment in person physically at the bank because I I love to. I don't know why. I don't get suckers. I don't get a toaster or a shotgun or whatever you get at banks. I simply just like paying my mortgage in in person. yeah, Kristen, I'm going to have to do the math on that. But, but to your point, the higher the interest rate, the bigger difference it makes. I think I've got a 2.5% interest rate. So I don't know if it's going to be worth the extra drive. Probably not. And the other thing to note, too, is that a lot of lenders won't let you make a half payment until you're paid ahead. So it's not 
as easy as it sounds to say, well, I've made my November mortgage payment and I'm going to turn right back around on the 15th and make half a payment. So that's something, or you'd have to make the whole payment on the 15th. Like my lender wouldn't let me do that. So I'm technically paying half a month ahead when I make my payment. So that's a great nuanced point there, right? Because otherwise mm -hmm. you're just making a half payment. They're like, Hey, give me the rest. We don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> what is the next uh, miscellaneous myth? It's not worth saving if you can only save a small amount. Do people say that? Yes. Actually, yeah, I've heard people say that. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just, you know, it's 50 bucks. Like big deal. It's like, well, $50 is $50. It adds up. Well, okay. So that's clearly a myth, uh, right? Like uh, it, it does add up. <laughs> Story time. Back in the day, some 20, almost 23 years ago, uh, when Mrs. Planner and I got married, and I was an investment advisor. I think she started putting like 50 bucks away and it's just one random mutual fund. And short of the market falling this year, there's like $36,000 in there now. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, it adds up. And we look at that money uh, and I don't even know how, what we consider that money to be other than the ultimate lesson to someday tell our kids, it adds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. You know, I, I think the other side of this too is it's about exercising the muscle of savings. There it is. And that's where that's where I, I think this has a lot of validity is that you want to, you have to withhold some of your income from yourself so you don't become so dependent on your income. And this is a great mechanism to do that. Exactly. Both of these myths so far have come back to behaviorally, there's an additional benefit. And that's exactly what it is. It's flexing that savings muscle. It's learning how to live off of less than your income. Even if it's, like I said, it's 50 bucks. Like you're learning to, um, you're decreasing your dependency on your income. We, we do talk about behavior a lot on this show. Uh, and, and oddly enough, we don't talk about money that much on this show or math that much on this show, but we do talk about behavior. And I, I think there's so much information out there that you can Google anything and learn how to run your financial life. But unless it's behavior-based, you're, you're ignoring the primary element that will lead, either lead to success or failure. And so that's why I like these first two myths. Give me one more before we hit a break. Real estate is a passive investment. Oh, Okay. Real estate is a passive investment. I'm supposed to say, I almost said passive aggressive investment, which is nothing. Um, and I'm, I'm to say whether that is true or false. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think most people talk about it as true, but I would assume it's false. That's exactly where my head's at is I think that the narrative in that space is like buy your first house and then keep it and then rent your second house so that you can have passive income. There's nothing passive about being a landlord. <laughs> there's you've done it. Like there's there's nothing passive about it. So I personally don't think it's a passive investment, but I think that the terminology used in this space leads people to believe that it's passive. That's an excellent point. Passive income, I think, is often a phrase used incorrectly, mm -hmm. right? Um, because there's a lot of work. There's a lot of risk. And in, in, in many cases, 
you're throwing good money after a situation. This breaks or that breaks. You got to fix that. It does not feel passive. Now, I'm sure there are certain real estate investments that are pretty rather turnkey, uh, but it still doesn't feel like passive income to me. Mm-mm. I don't think being a landlord in the in the sense that people talk about building wealth through real estate, that is what I do not think is passive. Have you ever been landlord? No, I have not. Not yet. I have. And it's terrible <laughs> for me. I, like it just, you know, you know me very well. And yeah. you know, um, it's just not something that w- was good for me. Like I, I it, it was not a good thing. All right. So let's do this. We're going to take a break. We're going to think about your stuffed meatball recipe that you were talking about earlier. I mean, lots of people want the recipe. Uh, and then uh, we're more uh, miscellaneous myths next, right here on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. All right. So people are really into that. Uh, that So what is it? So it's like like a like a stovetop stuffing stuffed meatballs or something mm-hmm. it's stovetop stuffing with like a breakfast sausage and cranberry sauce and there's like seasonings and some butter and i don't remember i think the cranberry sauce is what holds it together i gotta look at the recipe though oh so they're so the okay okay, okay. i thought they were like a meatball and then stuffed that's that's you're you're right my description was deceiving really it's a stuffing ball Stuffing balls, sausage, and cranberries inside. You know, I gotta admit, uh, my brain st- is stuffing not stuffed meatballs sounds better than stuffing balls. Could be, yeah. It's all in the presentation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> Kristen, did you bring your stuffing balls? And you're like, yeah, here they are. Is that how it goes down? Um, no. This is the first time you made them. Well, I haven't been in Indiana for Thanksgiving for like five years. What's that have so, to do with this? Uh, you, you, well, there's no stuffing in Arizona or Texas? <laughs> no, it's just that like when you're away from the seven Thanksgivings that I'm invited to this year, you don't feel the the same level of pressure, I think. Uh, Thanksgiving. My fa- Okay, so um, Veronica still wants the, the recipe, if you can somehow yeah. post it somewhere. Um, I... My favorite part of Thanksgiving, if I have to actually pick a moment, is after we're done eating, I go and cut a piece of pecan pie, I go pour a glass of bourbon, and I go in a different room for where everyone else is, and I have this moment of quiet, and it's delicious. Yes, Yes, I can absolutely turn the pecan pie into a pecan bar, and I'm I'm game. Are you anti-pie? Not anti-pie, but my mom makes these pecan bars that are just out of this world okay i'm hungry now this is a this is a bad idea this was a terrible idea i'm hungry (laughs) okay start the show three Mm. two Mm. one back on the pete the planner show doing a little miscellaneous money myths here with Kristen elanius (laughs) miscellaneous money myths it's a play on words uh Kristen. So far, we've covered that making a car payment twice in a month and splitting it in half uh, will, in fact, uh, make you pay off your car faster, as will mm-hmm. your mortgage. We then address the idea that uh, real estate is not, in fact, passive income because it takes a lot of work. And what's the third one we did? Uh, it's not worth saving if the amount is small. No, it's ridiculous. Of course, it's always worth saving. Uh, all right. Hit us with number four. You need to carry a balance on your credit card to increase your credit score. Okay. Okay. 
you need to carry a balance on your credit card to increase your credit score. Lots of people believe this to be true. 100%. Tremendous number of people believe this to be true. I don't believe Mm -hmm. this to be true. Kristen? I also don't believe this to be true. And a myth that's adjacent to this would be that you need to take out some sort of liability in order to increase your credit score. Like you need to have a personal loan to get credit. Also a myth. I think this is a very dangerous myth if we're being honest, because what someone will do is they'll, they'll carry a small balance over. Now there are, there are good practices of how to build healthy credit. Like if you've got a credit line, that's 500 bucks, you don't want to hit the $500 max on it consistently. I mean, even over the course of of the month, you want your balance to be below the, the 50% threshold. But actually now that I'm saying that out loud, Kristen, if you're not carrying a balance, it's just a statement balance. I don't know if that matters, right? Well, and the thing is, is you don't want to be over. I mean, it depends like 40. I always say 30. Let's just play it safe. But when your state, it's when your statement cuts. So you just want to make sure that you're always keeping that balance low. And to avoid that from a behavior perspective, too, if you're going to use a credit card, it's my personal opinion that you should use it like a debit card. So if you make a purchase, just pay it off. There's no there's no harm in paying it off. You don't have to have a balance when your statement cuts, even if you plan to pay it off and not pay any interest. Okay. So interesting. I'm, of course, I've heard people do this before, but, but it begs the question. So you don't use a credit card to give you cash flow advantage. Right. Um, instead, you use the credit card, go right back home or get on your app and transfer the money from checking to pay off the, so, so theoretically you are making payments on your credit card on a really, really consistent basis. (laughs) On a consistent basis. Like discover regularly will tell me like payments, more than one payment made in a three day period may not reflect immediately on your account. Because if my Hulu or whatever comes off of my discover card, I just pay it off. Do you think that okay, the, the, the way I'm going to ask this question is passive aggressive? I just want you to know. Excellent. Okay. I'm, I'm being honest, right? Like, okay. yeah, yeah. Do you think that's an effective, <laughs> repeatable technique for other people? No. <laughs> so you're, Not so at you're, all. you're, you're nuts. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, hello, budget smoothie. Like, yeah. I, um, I'm doing that consistently. And now I know other people who like in the comments, you know, I pay mine weekly or whatever. That's, that's perfectly fine too. And for the most part, my credit card usage is my recurring expenses, which I track separately through the app that I use. So I have a pretty good idea of, okay, this week, this is what I can expect to be here because that's when the auto pay is scheduled. Is this your version of me going to the bank in person to pay my mortgage? Yeah, probably. You know, I don't think it's that crazy. I think it it sounds stressful though. Um I'm I I'm just an anxious, high strung person. So yeah. maybe I just don't think that it's weird. I, I don't think it's weird. I just think it feels high maintenance, I guess is where I'm going with that. You know what I'm saying? Touche. It requires daily involvement, but legitimately takes five minutes. I mean, every day I sit down right before work, check on check lunch money, log in to Discover, and I'm done. It takes me five minutes or less. 
Yeah, Chris, uh, in the comments here on Facebook live stream, no, it's it's less stressful than having the balance pile up, and that is one hundred percent true. And you know what? As I as I'm thinking out loud, as I often do on this show, <laughs> if you're trying to teach uh, a person to manage credit for the first time, like right out of school or something, I think this is a actually a pretty safe technique to use. I mean, there, there, there's there's very little risk of uh, accumulating a balance if you do this technique. Very, very little risk. Now, if someone doesn't want to be as annoying as I am with this, what I suggest if they're trying to build credit, they don't have any credit history. Because that's one of the other myths too, is like your credit score doesn't matter. Well, unfortunately in the world we live in, your credit score really does matter to some degree. So if you need to build a credit score and you don't want to use a credit card or be involved like I am, just only use it for something that you're not running the risk of overspending, like fuel for your car. <laughs> like you're not going to overspend at the gas station. Uh, so now I got to know. So why are you doing this? Like, is it <laughs> to build credit because you've got credit or are mm -hmm. you doing it to get like points so you can go to Sizzler or Red Lobster and stuff? Like, why Why are you doing this? Why are you using a credit card instead of a debit card? Um. Originally, it was for points because I um, Discover used to do like really nice cash back on the quarter. Like they would do 5% cash back bonuses at places that I was spending most of my money, like the grocery store and gas stations and stuff. And now I'm just kind of in the habit of doing it that way. I will say that I don't use my credit card nearly as much. It was also for a level of protection as well. If you know my card was compromised, there's more flexibility with a credit card than a debit card. And at other times in my life, I've been way more concerned about, oh my goodness, like if this happens, like I might financially be in trouble. So kind of an old habit that I'm phasing myself out of. It's just old habits die hard, I think. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, next myth. The next myth is that, <laughs> I love this one. Renting is throwing away your money. No, come on. I know, but people need to hear it. All right. You're not throwing away your money if you're renting. You're not. You are throwing away your money if you buy a home and you're not in the position to actually afford that home, which is what happens time and time oh, and time, time again. It is so much worse to barely be able to afford the home you're buying than to rent. And, and I will not view another viewpoint from that. I, I It is absolutely absurd. <laughs> I agree, but people need to hear. I just heard this. This one was Damien's idea. We were kind of like going back and forth about some different ones. And I was like, you know, that was my first instinct too, was like, oh, come on. Like we say that all the time. And I'm like, but I just heard it this week. I just had someone tell me this week. And so I was like, it, I just don't think it can be said enough. Do you think it's one of those? Yeah, this is fascinating to me, right? Because this is one of those things that people say a lot. They hear it. It's passed down from generations. And it is both wrong and dangerous. What is another thing? Uh, the only thing you can think is like something medical or diet related mm -hmm. or fitness related that is this wrong and dangerous as renting is throwing away your money, which is just absurd. Is it? Is it because the stakes are so high because we don't spend money? Is that why it's the most dangerous thing that has kind of like continued to hold bandwidth in this space? Is it because the stakes are so high? Because most of us are spending 25 plus percent of our income here? It's like, what other financial decision 
over the long term could have that much of an impact. Is that why? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the other side of this too is it's related to your, you know, renting r- rental income is not exactly passive income because it's about risk. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't understand when you rent, there's, there's just not that much risk. You know, right. when you own a home, the financial risks are endless. Forget endless. you have insurance. I'm, I'm talking about something breaks, you got to fix it. And if you don't, then it accumulates. So anyway, mm-hmm. coming up after the break, more of this. I don't know exactly what this is, but this is what we're doing. And it's the Pete the Planner show. Do we have another segment out of this, do you think, or no? They get a little bit less good. What, what were we going to do? Other, what was the third one? The Podcast listeners, you get to listen to the show. What was it? The question. Oh, the question. Do we want to do the question? I mean, it's the question. I haven't read it, so that'll make it good. <laughs> All right. We're going to do the question. Is there this an answer to is, the question? This question is not about money, in my opinion. Oh, good. Oh, I love those. Which makes it perfect. Okay. For the show. It's from a guy named Doug. Go oh, ahead. don't use my name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. Be amazing. It's not Doug. It's Gary. All right. Stuffing balls, huh? Yes. You ever have those protein balls that are like, um, like uh, wheat germ and like, Ugh. like uh, what do we you even get? The chocolate chips and coconut flake. Mrs. Planner makes them. Oh, well, are they good? They've got honey and peanut butter. They're delicious. They're like a healthy snack, but I mean, there's honey, peanut butter, uh, and, and chocolate yeah. chips. So, <laughs> Is it just uh, called healthy because it's homemade? Um, I don't know. Sarah says they got a lot of protein, so I just oh, That's Mrs. Fair. Planner, sorry, just used her government name. Uh, Rick is shocked that we're actually using a question that someone emailed in. It's fair, fair criticism. Here's the thing. I don't like people's questions. They're dumb. <laughs> Every week you start the show with, we answer your money questions. And every week we ignore don't. your money questions. You know, maybe I'll start the show different like when we come back from Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know what? We will come back on the next show we do. will be on like December 3rd, I think. Mm-hmm. I will have turned another year old during i mean i will be older and possibly Kristen, wait for it i may mature prior to the next show doubtful little, little spence 49 dropping in to wish us a happy thanksgiving into dame two mm. little spence i hope that you have a big turkey for the whole spence crew little or otherwise what if I got mature? We would be canceled. All right, that's fair. Did I tell you? Um, I maybe I did. So I have some a bunch of YouTube videos. There was one from years ago. Like, does your spouse qualify for Social Security? It was just like a straight to cam, like two minutes spiel. And randomly last week, a YouTube comment popped up from that video, and it was just a woman who was very upset, and it said, "Just get to the point. You're not a comedian." And so I, I looked back on that video because, I mean, it was probably six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was another comment on that video from like two years ago that said, you're not funny. Just give us the answer. And, oh. I, and I thought, 
thought, I thought that is the ultimate in funny. Like that that is funny that two people are upset that they think I'm funny or not funny. Not like funny. that is in itself very funny. It's ironic is what it is. Don't you think? If you wanted a straight answer, why didn't you just Google it and read a boring article about it? Yeah, you get some weirdo in a studio. Oh, is that a Def Leppard shirt you're wearing, Kristen? Yeah. Will Spence wants to know. Sure they were is. one of the many 80s bands that shaped my early music interests. Saw them live in Rockford, Illinois. Nice. Okay. Um, question time. Here we go. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, this time answering your money question, received a, an email from a gentleman named Doug in the state of Ohio, where doesn't matter. Good day. Longtime podcast listener, first time emailer, and fellow balding guy. I really cut to the chase there, didn't it? <laughs> At a recent family dinner, my wife and I were discussing how great it'd be to both of our two adult children and their families. Uh, wait, how great it'd be to have both of our two adult children and their families live close so we could help the grandkids have family dinners together and generally be more intrusive into their lives. To my surprise, both children agreed. <laughs> wow. The plan we hatched was for my wife and I to buy a 10 to 20 acre property with a house for us, then subdivide off three to five acres for each child so they could build a house. The children would then be close, but not right on top of us. Okay, so far, so good, right? Is it about to get weird? Well, go. I just go ahead. We've been looking, and prices for suitable properties range from nine hundred thousand to one point two million. Wow, that's a not exactly a little house on the prairie. I mean, that's some salty. Our income is one hundred and fifty thousand American dollars per year, of which seventy thousand is military retirement. Well, I mean, thank you for your service. My military retirement is cost-adjusted for inflation and includes medical care for my wife and I for our rest of our lives, as it should be. Both my wife and I are 58 years old and plan to work either full or part-time until 67, when our combined Social Security would be $40,000 or more per year in retirement. We expect to need $100,000 per year, so we expect to be able to live on military retirement and Social Security. Our net worth is $2.4 million. We have no debt, no pending big, big expenses like weddings on the horizon. Our current $500,000 house is paid off. We have $800,000 in IRAs, a million in brokerage account, 100000 in cash. Our investments are in stock and bond mutual funds. And our power percentage for the last 10 years has been between 28 and 35%. By the way, for those that don't know, power percentage is a proprietary metric we use here at Your Money Line to measure how much of a person's income is going to increase their net worth. The plan is to pay cash for the new family compound. Oh, the 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 use of the word compound, you know, it's so good. It's good using some of our cash, some of the brokerage accounts, plus the proceeds from the sale of our current home. So the question is, can we afford spending a million dollars on property and having that much for the portfolio be in our house? Woof. All right, Kristen. I mean, you're the you, financial expert here. I'm just the pretty face. Uh, do you have a gut reaction? Uh, then my coffee was a little acidic this morning. Yeah. As it probably should be, yeah. Unless it's um, cold brew. Yeah, I do have a gut reaction. And I don't know if it's just because I'm tired and it's the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, just do it, man. Sure, go ahead. My financial gut reaction is like, just like just do it. Like They have right. income that they can count on that's less than what they actually need. They have the nest egg saved. They can objectively afford to do this. 
However, five acres of space between houses is not as much as it sounds. Um, Okay, this is good. I live on an eighth of an acre next to my neighbor who lives on like a ninth of an acre. Okay. (laughs) But three to five acres is really not that much space between you and your children. And my fear is that maybe over the long term, living so close to your children, the um, the allure might wear off. One square miles is 640 acres. <sighs> hmm. I, I don't know. It didn't say how close they live now, right? No, I mean, it just spread out all over the place or whatever. Because depending on how close you live now and then being that close to your adult children, it may not be exciting for a long time. Maybe. Okay, so financially, I have no problem with this. I'm just going to put it out there. I think they should do it uh, financially. Uh, Because on some level, if you save up this nest egg, you've you've paid off your house. (sighs) I I think they do it. But you're thinking they're going to get annoyed with each other. Yes. And then having, depending on where you live, uh, having five acres of land can be an interesting amount of property to have because people who want land don't want five acres and people who don't want land don't probably don't want five acres. So I think it, and the houses are going to be assume I would assume that they're going to build them in a way that makes sense for them. So you might be putting yourself in a pretty niche position if you find out that this doesn't work for you. But they say here, the plan would be to buy 10 to 20 acres then subdivide three to five acres for each child so they could build a house. So that changes it, right? Three houses on 15 to 20 acres? Yeah, but again, it's. I guess for me, it's more about the thinking about an exit strategy should you need to have one. That would be my only caveat to this is be really deliberate about how you build and where you build. So then this begs the question, Kristen, how far away should you live from your adult family members? Because that's what that's what you're saying here. Because if you're saying, well, a mile would make more sense. Like, is that what you're saying? Like, what is the right amount? I live two miles away from my parents and I see them when I want to see them. And they see me when they want to see me. And it's not that much because they don't want to see me because I'm annoying. But if we lived on five acres, they may have to see me more. That That's... It just depends, I guess, on your situation. Like I've lived thousands of miles away from my family for a while. And the interesting thing is that I've moved much, much closer. Um, Both of my parents are within five miles of my house now. And I talk to them less than when I lived thousands of miles away because I tend to not leave my house. I'm a hermit. So Uh, Big Rick Swink brings up a great point in the Facebook live chat occurring right now. What happens if one of the child, children, adult children wants to leave? And then is there like a first right of refusal? There's this unoccupied house and like some other family then moves into that. Like that would get, that actually is a, a bigger problem than anything else. Well, and then it brings up something that I saw in a previous role that I had, which was that 
okay, if let's say one of the children doesn't longer term is like, eh, this really isn't for us. And the parents say, well, we can objectively afford to keep the house for now. And then it becomes a, well, this is our, like our family's deal. So maybe grandkids have the opportunity to buy the house. It can make it very hard to divide an estate when you want to keep certain components very like keep certain components together because if you want that financial equity, if you're forcing other members of the family to buy out that house, it, it, I think it gets sticky. I think it gets tough. You know what? I am with you there too. So now I'm, you've talked me out of go ahead and do it. And now I'm too. (laughs) I I just think you have to have several contingency plans and no, you have to have exit strategies in case this doesn't work like you thought. And then if it does work exactly like you thought, how does the next generation have an opportunity to replicate this in an affordable way? I think it's neat that a family actually likes each other enough to want to do this. I, 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 I'm, I'm both half joking and half serious. And that, that is lovely. That is, that is so great. Um, and it's not to say, well, it won't always be that way because who am I to say that? But life can get in the way of someone gets a new job or interests change or I don't know. You want to go from country mouse to city mouse. I, I don't know. So I don't have any advice here other than to say, follow it, Kristen's advice, which is to just have an exit strategy if you're going to do it. But you can easily afford it financially. I, I don't. That's a non-factor here. You've put yourself in that position. Kudos for that, by the way. Kristen, what if I bought hundreds of acres and then had everyone here at your money line have little plots of land and we lived on your money line compound? What do you think of that? Can we have cattle? Cattle? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We got a lot of meat eaters here, but we've also got some some vegan (laughs) coworkers. The cattle may not be a good idea. I'm just going to be honest. Not such a good the cattle idea. will disappear and, and we're, we're getting fattened up and then uh, the gig is up. So let's do this. Let's take a break. And then coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. And, and this is a good one this week. And of course, the news. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Your money line tiny house compound. We could call it the compound interest. You know, I'm sorry. Run with that. Yeah. I don't know what's happening anymore in my life. Pies ranked. Pies ranked. Top five pies. Start from five and then four, three, two, one. I'm not really. What? I'm not really much of a pie gal. Peanut butter pie and pumpkin. That's pretty much it. Top pie in the world is. a derby pie, like a pecan and chocolate pie. I don't think I've ever had that. Next, peanut butter pie. Next, apple pie. Next, pecan pie. And then finally, mm-hmm. Boston cream pie. My man, Brian Pinkins, says blueberry pie. Your sister says apple. Yeah, she probably just woke up. She was supposed to be on the show today. Yeah, she was. It was going to be Friendsgiving. Elanius giving. <laughs> She literally said, I think I'd rather sit at home and be a troll. And I said, okay, that's fine. All right, let's finish the show. I'm getting slacks coming in. People are asking me things. You're busy. Do you slack someone when you know they're 
Oh, yeah. What's the Slack etiquette? Do you Slack someone when you know they're in the midst of doing something so that when they get done with it, they can view it? Or do you wait until you know they're done with something so you can be more interactive? It depends on how high stakes it is, like the thing that they're doing. So if when you and Dame used to be on the radio, just like without me, I would not send a message to Damien if I thought I needed something, I would wait. Or now you can schedule the Slack. But if it's like just a meeting, I'll send the Slack so that they can see it when they're done. My Slack fills up. Uh, mm-hmm. It turns out a lot of people send me messages. I, I don't know. That's not a flex. No, I, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Weird. I don't know. Okay. Let's do a segment. Uh, we're going to pull up my things. My things. Oh, man. What? Oh, you got to do the news. Uh, Dame's um, going to be so judgmental. What? <laughs> no, biggest waste of money of the week. I'm so bad at guessing. Um, oh, I got to actually see what it costs. Actually, it says it right in the thing. Uh, I'm going to, uh, don't worry. You don't have to guess. I just think it's a waste of money. Thank goodness. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is Dusk Smart Sunglasses. The timeless eyewear icon has been given a new age upgrade with Ampere's Dusk Smart Sunglasses. The app-enabled frames load the classic Wayfarer silhouette with a range of tech-savvy features. Fitted with electrochromic lenses. Am I saying that right? Electrochromic, electrochromic lenses. Wearers have full control of the tent level and can choose the ideal shade based on the conditions outside. Favorites can be saved as presets on the app and loaded in the frame for instant adjustments with a hidden button at the temple. An integrated microphone and speaker are also included to make calls or listen to music, podcasts, or audiobooks on the go. While a built-in tracking system linked with Apple's Find My Tracking program ensures you'll never misplace them, frames are available in classic black or two-tone navy and teal with either polarized black tint or polarized mirrored tint lenses. Kristen, um, I mean, unbelievably cool concept, right? Yeah. But come on. I mean, is it like, here's what would happen for me. Cause I, I don't Tread have lightly. Tread what? lightly. Why? <laughs> because I don't have, um, the lens changing version of this, but I do have audio sunglasses. You have audio sunglasses. <laughs> Why would you admit that publicly? Because they're awesome. How are they awesome? They are incredible. My eyes are very sensitive to sunlight. I lived in the desert where it was sunny 99 out of 100 days. And they have built-in speakers so you can still hear the traffic around you. But you can still you can listen to music, um, which just makes you safer. And Bose has had this version the only difference is the lenses don't change, but Bose has had these for a couple of years and I have them and they're wonderful. And how much did those cost, Kristen? Uh, they didn't cost me anything. They were a gift, but they're I wonderful. Know. 10 out of 10. Bose sunglasses, uh, 124.50. Bose frames, tenor black. Interesting. Anyway, those. Kristen, what's in the news <laughs> this week? <laughs> Uh, Frontier Airlines announces an unlimited flight pass. 
all you can fly six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars, like for the year mm-hmm. or a month? For the year. What's you ready the for catch? the catches? Yes, yes, I'm ready for the catch because <laughs> what's the catch? So it's unlimited flights between Denver and their other U.S.-based destinations. I didn't look up how many places that means you could go, but this is only out of their Denver airport. Um, it's an introductory offer for starters. The first year is six hundred. The automatic renewal price one thousand. One thousand. You, I thought you were going to guess. You, I was, but I was going to wait until you give the rest of the answer. <laughs> $1,999. Okay. So it triples after the introductory offer. There are 50 some odd blackout dates, which include Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, New Year's Eve, and most of the good spring break dates. And the best part, the best part about this whole thing, tickets aren't available to book and confirm until the day before departure. So this is not good. This is horrible. Oh, and last seat availability is not guaranteed. You can be bumped from your flight. Okay, so let's pass. I will say I love Frontier Airlines uh, tails on their plane because they have a different woodland creature on each or a different animal on each plane do they yes hmm. yes my kids when we fly somewhere they always look for the frontier planes because there's like oh there's a snow fox i don't know if there's such thing as a snow fox uh, what um, else is in the news? taylor swift tickets listed for thousands on StubHub after millions flood Ticketmaster. Quote, you you have a disclosure to to put out here Oh, I think if well, you're going to read the news, you need to be honest. Well, I'm a Swifty and I didn't get tickets, so I'm upset. And I feel like other people should know why I'm upset because it's egregious. Okay. Can you explain this to me? Because I purposefully have avoided trying to learn about this, but I'm willing to yes. listen. So what happened was that Ticketmaster had, quote, unprecedented high demand for Taylor Swift's 52 arena tour that kicks off. Um in the beginning of next year. So the tickets went on sale. They ranged from price from as cheap as $49 to as much as like 800 and some odd dollars for VIP packages. What happened was the Ticketmaster website could not handle the traffic. They gave away too many presale codes, sold out all of the stadiums, and there were supposed to be general ticket sales this Friday, today, and they had to cancel that because they didn't intend to, apparently, but they sold out all the stadiums. Taylor Swift sold over 2 million tickets in one day, which is the most any other artist has ever sold. So why are people mad at Ticketmaster? People are mad because in 2010, Ticketmaster and Live Nation merged, and people are arguing that they have created a monopoly and that they don't have any reason to provide a better user experience to the customer because they're the the rich just get richer by they just provide these tickets you have to pay for them and then secondary platforms or resale platforms like StubHub are reselling the tickets now so the highest listed resale price i think yesterday when i was looking a floor seat in Atlanta someone had it listed for $35,000 and the it's, cheapest, the cheapest now you can get into a venue tickets, the face value of a nosebleed ticket was $49. The cheapest resale value is thir- 350 bucks. Isn't the bigger issue something that people are missing here and that the, the, you'd have to fight traffic and find a parking place <laughs> to do any of this, which is just not worth it. 
People go to NFL games every week. That's where she's I, playing. I know, but I like just this idea of like it's at night, people are wooing. Woo! And <laughs> and it's like I don't I'm not interested. How about a day? You know, I, I'm not clearly not a concert person because I'm not mm. fun. Shocking. I might consider a daytime concert that's outside. That's about it. Why does a concert so, have to be at night? So like uh, Summerfest or... Um... No, that's too many people. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm thinking like fest, fest. I don't want anything that's a fest. Okay. You know, too many. Good, yeah. Um, the, the rest of this is that now lawmakers are involved. So the Tennessee Attorney General has opened a consumer protection investigation. And again, the argument is that Ticketmaster and Live Nation should have never been able to merge. And this in this instance is shedding new light on something that others have been arguing about for some time. I don't know. I just think this whole story is really about parking. <laughs> what, what else is in the news? Your favorite story of the month, oh. FTX. Oh my gosh. F <laughs> FTX employees were claiming expenses through their online chat, um, like Slack. If you use Slack or Teams, um, they were claiming their expenses through online chat. And then they were using apparently emojis to approve or deny expenses. Their bankruptcy filing, I think they filed on the 11th maybe, but some more of these facts have come to light, which include them never having board meetings due to the fact that they didn't have a board of directors. Um, the exchange was using employees' personal names to purchase real estate in the Bahamas with corporate funds. They were just signing over deeds in employees' names apparently. And as a result, 130 affiliated companies have filed bankruptcy proceedings. They had no CFO. They had no board of directors. <laughs> so bad. I mean, look, uh, there's just so much here, but for, but I get stuck on the board of directors and CFO. Yes, we we are a a, a, a nice company. Uh, we are small. You know, we've less than thirty people right now. We have a board of directors and a CFO, right? And it's like people trusted this person with billions of dollars. Billions. I just don't get it. So. Anyway, I don't get it either. The FTX story is the new Enron very clearly. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, well, Kristen, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope Thank the you. stuffing balls that you're going to provide for your loved ones um, are well received. Thank you. <laughs> that was Enjoy your Super Bowl. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, everyone else, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time. You won't see anybody. It's radio. What the hell am I talking about? Oh, now do I have to put an explicit lyric thing on there? Because I said. -E I don't think so. I think that six. one. I think you're allowed to say that. I don't know. Let's see his thing. My, my kids will listen. <sighs> um, shout out to my dogs. Because this is the first time I've ever had them here for the show. Um, because I get nervous that they're going to cause a ruckus. And they were literally silent the whole time. Can so. you like show them to the audit? Can I go full screen with you and you can show us your dogs? Um, they're literally snoozing so hard right now. Can you you can't hold you on. can't okay, hold on. Let me go solo. Okay. Oh, oh, she's waking up the dogs. Oh she she muted. They're not I having muted it. I muted because I didn't want to I didn't want to whistle into the mic. They're literally they're sharing a bed and they will not get up right now. <laughs> okay. Well, we tried. Um well. 
people are disappointed. I'm okay. Sorry. No, 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 no. Um, Kristen, I'm leaving um, Same. This, this meeting to go do other things. So best of luck with your life. Thank Everyone you. Else. No, you're welcome. Everyone else stay getting money. 